Show, Sportsnet 59, the fan band, and a sprint gunning. Yeah, Beebs is going to be in town tonight, I would figure, right? Like, I don't know if he's on tour. I should have maybe I, yeah, I'm researched gonna, that. I'm not going to pretend to know what goes on uh, in in that young man's world. But, hey, if he's in the building, that'd be nice. Ty Get, Domi is definitely going to be in sure. the building tonight. Walking Drake out the other day yeah. at his concert. <laughs> not that... <laughs> Max needed a reminder of what, like, even a modicum of, of success. No, I think, I think he did. I think he did. That is, honestly, there is no greater shot in the arm to your 20-something son of what this can mean here of me two decades removed from relevance on the said, ice in this city. How old is Drake? Yeah. I mean, I think he's probably right around. He's 36. Your, yeah, right. Okay. So he's, he's 36, like, right? so he's a little bit younger than me. A little, little bit younger older, than... A little older than me. Oh, okay. I yeah, I'm, I'm, sne- are, I no, I'm sneaky. <laughs> I'm sneaky young, but look disheveled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you're as, right. As our former colleague, George George Russick, once told me when I was younger than this, he goes, mm, it's a hard 29, guys. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Not uh, 29 anymore, though. Yeah, so Max... Okay, you're right. Maybe he needed a refresher. No, I think course. it's great. Perfect kick in the butt. But yeah, anybody else who was with that group, and there was a bunch of them in in the box for that Drake show, who needed a reminder. And I guess Ryan O'Reilly, he saw it. it. He said, "Forget well, it." Well, you Fat. know what? If it was Morgan Wallen, then yeah. maybe Ryan okay. O'Reilly's like, "Ah, <laughs> yeah. no." Yeah, no, maybe. No. Yeah, but anybody else that had a, a thought of, "Hey, I know it's it, it's." Not so great at times here, especially when the team's no good and there's a lot of scrutiny. And you don't get to walk to the arena in flip-flops in the dead of winter. But, boy, if you just win a round or mm-hmm. two, and, and you don't even have to win a Stanley Cup. You just have to look like you care, have a physical element to your game. Yes. You can be a freaking legend. I mean, Ty Domi's on the short list of the most popular athletes in the last 30 years Honestly. in this city. Like, the, I, I don't think that's... No. That's out of the... Like, that's over the top. I think he's very much no, in that when discussion. You, when you do that discussion, it's two buckets. It is the greats and the mm-hmm. beloveds. Yeah. And the greats are beloved because of everything they do. Because they're great. But they're just people who are beloved, you know, Tucker, very much in that realm. Still, mm-hmm. you know, when I was going down doing all the Leaf games the last couple of years, he is still the guy who gets one of the loudest pops. Mm-hmm. Cujo, very much in that vein. But I honestly don't know that they don't get smaller pops than Ty because he's just so beloved for that particular role he he played here. Yep, yeah, uh, he did. And he was he was a capable player at times and, you know, was having his best postseason run ever when then unfortunate elbow yes. uh, ended his postseason. But, yeah, uh, the the... The addition to this Maple Leafs team and Max and uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, well aware that a a good season here and some postseason success not only is going to help them uh, when they reach free agency, but might help them uh, with the fan base and and maybe some money to be made after their playing career. All right, this insider is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Today's insider... The great Frank Saravelli, president of hockey content for dailyfaceoff.com. Still in Pittsburgh, I imagine, after uh, watching uh, Sidney Crosby against Connor Bedard in game one of the season. How's it going, Frank? I'm good. I'm uh, not still in Pittsburgh. I am uh, 200 miles into my drive back home already. And a little trivia question for you guys. Do you you guys know what's between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia? Scranton, PA, I would guess. The, the answer is Alabama. Oh, okay. <laughs> what? 
Oh, okay. I'm, I'm now confused. Also. There's a reason they call it pencil talkie. I'll just tell you that. Oh, I see. Ah, I, I got it. Yeah, go. no, no, listen. I, I'm, now the presidential election is starting to, to ring in my head. <laughs> I remember John yeah. King touching well, some well, counties there. And yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, yeah, paint the scene yesterday in Pittsburgh. Uh, Connor Bedard taking the opening face-off against one of the all-time greats in, in Sidney Crosby. Um, and the Penguins going up 2 nothing, and then uh, blanked out. Uh, what happened after that? By the way, that face-off, uh, really cool scene and audio from Kelly Sutherland welcoming Connor Bedard to the NHL, and then Sidney Crosby officially... <laughs> welcoming Connor Bedard by snapping the puck back. Yeah. You know there's no chance with all this talk about Connor <laughs> Bedard and yes, um Bedard and, and Crosby have gotten a chance to know each other, player media tour, different things. They've seen each other and chatted. But all that talk, there's no way that one of the players on NHL Mount Rushmore was losing that opening face off to the eighteen year old kid. Welcome to the show. Yeah, and then he had the answer afterwards. Bedard did of, uh, I failed miserably when I tried to win the the opening faceoff there. Uh, of course, he gets on the score sheet. I, I'm sure that, that goes a long way for him just to not have that kind of lingering, still looking for, for his first goal. What did you make of his game? I mean, you know, that is as easy an eye test matchup in terms of future Hall of Famers. If you're trying to do the will he become one, well, there were at least four of them uh, on, the, on the other side of things la- last night. How did you think Bedard uh, looked in his NHL debut? It's funny you said that because I was looking at the Pittsburgh Penguins power play when they trotted it out for the first time, and I'm like, okay, over here you've got 100 points for a NARS trophy-winning defenseman, Eric Carlson. You've got a couple heart trophies between Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, also league scoring leaders. Like three Hall of Famers at least on one power play is pretty wild. Uh, but when you when you watch Bedard and you size him up and – and look, there's a lot of things that he's going to have to pick through as an 18-year-old learning the patterns of the game, uh, how to enter through the neutral zone. Angles are different. Everything's different when you get to the NHL. But I thought he acquitted himself quite well. Um, the shot attempts, the, the danger that he created, uh, his release and his ability to get it off. Like he, Maybe the best way I can explain it is he looks like Brett Hull but can actually skate. Mm. <laughs> and that's a funny thing to say, um, but when you consider um, really where this kid is and where he's heading, you know, I had a chance to talk one-on-one with Taylor Hall after the game, quote, he's the real deal, and talked to Corey Perry for a bit after the game, and he just said, he's so good and he's so different than all of these other stars that we've seen enter the league whether it's Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews or whoever it might be, just said there's something about his game that's different in a good way. It's, it's not He's not a cookie-cutter star. He does things a little bit differently, and I think we're all excited to see that unfold. Yeah, variety is the spice of life. Love that. Um, Penguins took that 2 nothing lead. That was good. And, yeah, uh, Peter Morazic had a, a fine little game. And it's just game one of 82, and, and this is a, a team trying to get acclimated with a, a – pretty big piece of of their team and on a 10 million dollar cap hit in eric carlson uh anything stand out as far as potential issues with this penguins team that just missed the playoffs by a single point a season ago 
probably their ability to defend is something that stands out. And look, one game, you're not going to make too many judgments. Carlson had some good looks that couldn't he couldn't finish on. By the way, Carlson in this 100-point season last year also went the first two games without registering a point before he took off. You know, try not to read too much into it, but with some of the mistakes that they make, getting out of their own zone, in the neutral zone, you look at those things and you say, look, uh, the Penguins, I think, have made significant changes. Uh, Kyle Dubas has put his stamp on this team already, reinventing the bottom six totally changing out so many different pieces. But if they don't start defending better, I don't care who's in net, whether it's Tristan Jari, Connor Hellebuck, Thatcher Demko, or the second coming of Dominic Hasek, uh, you, you're going to have to play in your own end better in order to be successful. And so um, that's one thing, especially when you see some of the breakdowns that the Blackhawks scored on just on opening night. You have a 2 nothing lead and, and you have – you know, especially late in the third period, a two to one lead. There's no reason you should be losing on home ice. Mm. No, nope, uh, there isn't. Uh, but they did. Uh, but it's only game one of 82. Uh, Maple Leafs start game one of 82 tonight against the Montreal Canadiens. We're talking to Frank Saravelli, president of hockey content for DailyFaceOff.com, and. Speaking of DailyFaceOff.com, and one of your most recent articles, uh, your bold predictions uh, article, you had this prediction when it came to the Maple Leafs quote with the franchise best regular season and trip to the Eastern Conference final first year Toronto Maple Leafs manager Brad Treliving will win the Jim Gregory GM of the year award Frank is is that that much of a, of a hot take to to consider that a possibility I don't think so maybe that was one of the lesser bold ones that I had um, like if any of those things were to come true would would you or anyone listening be absolutely shocked? No, not. I wouldn't be shocked remotely. Not at all. So maybe I needed to go back to the drawing board and make it a little <laughs> bit more full. No, uh, I. So I, me, yeah. Oh, I was just going to my head a shake on that one. Well, I was going to say the interesting thing about that is the perception of the job true living will do. I mean, the perception in this market is going to be one thing, but yeah, it's very different if the team is, you know, carried by the core four and it looks different if it's you know Bertuzzi really clicking and he's got a 30 goal season and Max Domi hits his stride that's the thing I think is going to be really interesting is the perception I mean we've seen this before right when Anaheim won their cup it was whose team is it really is it Burks is it Murray's we've had these conversations before and obviously the Leafs have a lot of winning to do before we can have that one but that's the interesting thing I, I'm curious to see how it plays out is the, the the perception of the way this thing's been built especially with the change we saw there and then and obviously the guy in charge in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and I think that's fair because you think back to last year at the deadline and in a really short period of time, the Toronto Maple Leafs changed out a quarter of their roster. That was a significant move then. And I think to me what it really spoke to was that at least the Leafs front office and what it was then had identified that this team as currently constituted at that point couldn't, they didn't have what it took. They didn't have the right mix. They didn't have whatever it was. Mm. And there was this big sort of overcorrection toward character. And obviously you add some grit and some experience and leadership, Ryan O'Reilly and Luke Shen and all these guys that came in. Um, it, it was an interesting change. And I wonder if it was, 
too much um, because I think they did sacrifice a couple of things along the way. But then now you look at this team and there's kind of more of that right now. You, you see what I think is probably a better blend of grit and skill. Like Tyler Bertuzzi, and look, Max Domi has the name and he has the pedigree, but Tyler Bertuzzi to me is like the ultimate. You, you said before uh, variety is the spice of life. He's a different variety yeah. to add to this Maple Leafs mix. He's like, he's the paprika. He's the sauce. Exactly the one I was going to say. Drink, whatever it is, he's got it that it's like, I, I called him in Boston, Brad Marchand light. Mm. There aren't that many mm. players in the league that you can say are have rat-like qualities, and I say that with total affection, <sighs> that you can then get 30 goals out of and, and probably count on that should he be healthy. Yeah, and also had 10 points, including five goals in his seven career postseason games, which is pretty good. Um, yeah, that, that'll play. And it'll be interesting to, to, to see... If, if there is a takeaway from the regular season for a team that will be judged ultimately, once again, with what they do during the postseason, whether we will see, you know, the, that rat stuff like manifest itself during the course of an 82 game regular season. Do you expect that to happen or is that just, hey, when the playoff hits, the, those guys are not going to be pushed around as much anymore? Like, will we see that stuff during the regular season, you think? I think that's the goal, right? Like, you don't add those guys and Ryan Reeves and whoever else to play nice. You add those guys to send a message to have a different element to, and it's funny because one of the big criticisms in Pittsburgh where I just was during the preseason was that they don't have any of that. You see uh, basically Sidney Crosby dropping the gloves, if you want to call that a fight, in the preseason. And the reason for that is because no one else is there to stand up. And I think that message being sent to the rest of the league is you see Ryan Reeves walking in the building. You may not love his cap hit. You may not love what he provides on the score sheet, but I can promise you that it's a, it's a legitimate deterrent um, to try and send that message that this team isn't going to be pushed around. And as much as Michael Bunting or whoever else it might have been that you know, is in your face and is yapping and is, you know, trying to be as annoying as possible. No offense to him, but no one's afraid of Michael Bunting. And that's that was never going to change. And so now you make these additions and, and you try and you tinker. You try and find the right mix of adding these different ingredients to see if what you know to be a pretty good core can maybe get put over the top with these changes. Yeah, a couple things there. I think I think Alex Semen would classify that as as a fight from Crosby. I think he would he would say it's that. I don't know how many other people are are doing it. And you know, we go back to the Alex question. Semen. <laughs> I haven't heard that name in like eight years. Yeah, I'm trying to trying to mix it up again. Variety's the spice of life. You know, I could have gone something a little more uh, a little more recent, but I like uh, I like to throw it back there. And then the other thing is, we talk about perception. And if the Leafs are spurned on by adding toughness, and it's the best version of them we've ever seen, and the Penguins are undone by there not being any oh of that in goodness. Pittsburgh with Kyle Dubas there, the, the takes the takes will be bountiful. Bountiful. Um, the thing I want to ask you about is, you know, we talk about the toughness of the Leafs, and obviously they've addressed that. 
I do wonder, not in terms of toughness, I don't know how much that changes things for this player, but if we see a slightly different version of Austin Matthews, not that I think he's going to take some profound leap. He scored 60 goals and won the Hart Trophy. I don't know how much better it's going to get than that, but this is a player who's just further deep into his prime in terms of his physical or his, his physical prime, and he now has all the contract stuff behind him. He has some different line mates that give him maybe a bit that ability to kind of stand up a little taller as opposed to a guy like Bunting. What are you expecting from Matthews this year? Because just watching him in camp, hearing some of his interviews, he does feel a, a little bit more free than maybe he has in the past. That's an interesting thought, and I have kind of always viewed Austin Matthews as free. Like, I don't think he's ever appeared to me to be someone that's, like, overburdened by the moment or the situation or whatever it might be. Now, that said, last year, like, there's no two ways about it. It was really disappointing for him from a personal perspective. And you can tell me all you want about uh, the sort of Selkie-like qualities that he's had in his game and, and how much more of a complete player he is. Austin Matthews is earning what he is because he puts the puck in the net. And just touching 40 goals is not enough. Um, so I think this needs to be a statement here of, yes, this guy has, you know, he burst onto the scene and had a fantastic rookie year and then obviously took it a step further, you know, as you mentioned, hitting 60 and, and the hard trophy and all those things that come with it. But you're only as good as, as what you are right now in the NHL. That's how it works. You don't get to rest on what you had in the past. And there's a quiet confidence about him that's really impressive. But I think I, me personally um, need to see more. I think that's, that's the definition. The bar that he set is consistent excellence. You see it year in and year out from other players in the league. Connor McDavid always progressing, not regressing. Um, that needs to happen for Austin Matthews, and he needs to get back to that level. Uh, Maple Leafs already find themselves looking up at the top of the Atlantic Division. The Tampa Bay Lightning uh, coming up with a victory. No! Yeah, <laughs> yesterday. Man, I, I know, yeah, again, this team is going to be judged by its postseason successes or failures. They haven't won this division before, and they haven't been particularly close, right, over the last near decade, and there was the one year that they won the division when it was the North, and, yeah, I, I guess you could point to how, how how much that earned them, and, and that was nothing in losing in seven games to the Montreal Canadian. but is, is, Canadians. But is it not an abject failure for this team not to, to win the Atlantic, considering the regression that we're all anticipating from the Bruins, considering that the Tampa Bay Lightning are with without the best goalie in the world for two months? I mean, you could look at it that way if you want, but you, you hit it on the head in the first part of your, your statement in that mm. it doesn't really matter what happens in the regular season. I don't care if they have 96 points and squeak in or 135 like the Bruins last year and get bounced in the first round. It doesn't matter. Um, you can... You, you, if you want, you could put up a banner in your arena for an Atlantic Division title. Uh, that would make you like the Nashville Predators and every other team that hasn't ever won anything. Congratulations. Hmm. Um, but I think the Bruins are the perfect reminder. You, you can be an absolute world beater in the regular season, and no one's going to remember. We're not going to talk about the Bruins year after this last week of, of previewing everything. 
we're going to talk about their record-setting season and how great it was and all these career highs. It's just no one talks about that. It doesn't matter. You're, it's never going to echo for, for a period of time throughout a fan base or a city. If you want to be remembered, if you want to have a, a post-playing career uh, that you guys were just hinting at with Max Domi and Tyler Bertuzzi, and if you want to never pay for a beer or dinner oh, yeah. again in Toronto or the GTA, you got to do something. And uh, that means going on a deep run. It means being an authentic Stanley Cup contender. It means being a team that, that people are afraid to face and play. And I got to tell you, when it comes to the playoffs, this isn't breaking news or a bold prediction. No one's been afraid to come into Toronto. No one's been daunted by it. And in fact, in some ways, people have been excited to play against the Leafs because they know that it only takes one game or two games to really rattle everyone's cage and get them fired up. So um, that's the true mark and barrier for success. And anything other than that, uh, you can just add it to your Wikipedia page and say, congratulations, you won an Atlantic Division title. Yeah, it's true. Um, it, it, you know, we're, we're looking for, for, you know, bars to, 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 to look at as far as the, the Maple Leafs clearing them during the regular season. It would be just a, a different, it would be a change of pace to see them at the top of this division. Uh, Frank, where are you now? Like Lionville? Let me, let me add this too. What's Hang that? on a sec. Um, they are, that said, they should be the class of the Atlantic division. Well, that's it. They're the only team in, in, the, in the division that I don't really have significant question marks about. Um, I do wonder about the Leafs' quality of defense. That's an age-old, you know, years-old story that still probably needs to be answered and or looked at. But when you look at the Bruins and, and the obvious regression that they're going to have, the injury to Andre Vasilevsky, even with Buffalo as they, you know, make their charge and push forward here, you know, can their young guys take an even bigger step? Like, there's a lot going on in the division to suggest that, it's open for the Leafs taking and that they're the favorite in class of it. But like I said, perspective matters. There are some weird named cities on the way from Pittsburgh to Philadelphia. Like, have you gotten to King of Prussia yet or Conshohocken? <laughs> like, are those real places? They made those, those are, up, yeah, right? Yeah, those are actually near me. So that'll, that'll mean I'm getting close to home. Okay. Enjoy Conshohocken. No, I uh, like Frank. the King of Prussia. I like that one, dude. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it's one it. One of the biggest malls in the world in King of Prussia. So you guys should stop in one time. Yeah. How about, like, that? that's a person. How about King of Prussia City? How, how do you <laughs> call something King of Prussia and that be a place? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Anyways. It's just, it's just KOP in Philly lingo. That's all. All right. See you, Frank. See you, guys. Frank Cervelli, president of hockey content for dailyfaceoff.com. This insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit donvalleynorthlexus.com. I get it. Like the, the postseason, that's the way things oh, I are actually judged. Wanted, I wanted to talk about the towns for a second. Okay, you've seen the, You've seen the thing where we got some weird towns here too. You could do a whole tour of Europe. In, like, southwestern Ontario, you got Paris, yeah. there's, like, a Brussels, there's a Cologne. We've seen them all. So nothing quite as odd as King of Prussia or, as the kids say in Philly, KOP. And where are you from? The mean streets the of KOP. King I of Prussia. I love that. That's really strange, it's man. It's so strange. It's like, I'm, uh, I guess, is there a... I a, want the NHL to play an outdoor <laughs> game there now. Yeah, is is there, like, in England, is there a, a city, uh, like, president of the United States of America? 
I don't know. That's really there's a lot of there's a I know there I I do remember as a kid being shocked at how many Toronto and Ontario streets there were mm-hmm. uh, throughout the province. So people are naming stuff stuff, but no, I I gotta king say King of Prussia. That's top ten weird name cities. Just King of Prussia. Like I get it, King of Prussia City or King of Prussiaville. <laughs> Just I know King of here's, Prussia. Here's what I could definitely confirm. I know what I'm looking up in the break. Yeah. <laughs> a little wiki deep dive on yeah. KOP for me yeah. personally. But yes, playoffs. I did like how Frank uh, decided to entertain your question at the very end saying, yeah, oh yeah, they probably should win the Atlantic. No probably kidding. Should. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, I, I get it. Like, it doesn't matter if, if you're the, the Panthers and you get in on the last day of the regular season, thanks to some team bl- uh, blowing it against one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League, and then you make a cup final. Yeah, that's all that's going to matter. But we can only talk about what's in front of us here. We're starting this you know, one of 82 game marathon yeah. tonight against the Montreal Canadiens. And would you feel like, oh, they're they're destined to win the Stanley Cup if they win the Atlantic division going away? No, but it's not like you're going to feel worse if they do that. It would feel really nice to see the Leafs take a stranglehold of it in a year where it very much should be possible to do that. And look, one of these other teams, and maybe the other team is Tampa once Vasilevsky comes back, because I did have the thought watching them last night that what are they going to look like if they've had two months of half, in, and not that they were absolutely nails last night, but what are they going to have if they have two plus months of having to play like that? And then, oh, yeah. We have the best goalie in the world. Yeah. If that just happens. If he is that guy after back surgery, after what we saw in the postseason too. But yeah, yeah, probably not. But I, I, uh, every other goalie I write off, uh, but it's one that's caused the Leaf pain. So <laughs> yeah. he's never going to not be good. He's going to yeah. be good forever. No, Leafs own him. They, they, you just nah, shoot it from nah. the point like really no. high. The actual, and then the worst, it goes by. Okay, you want to talk about Leafs owning a guy? The worst thing ever of why that Canadian's loss hurt so much is because Austin Matthews does own Carey Price, but you can't ever say that because guess what? They own the Leafs because of that. So fun times. Yeah. Can't wait for the season to start tonight (laughs) when they absolutely 1000% are going to lose. (laughs) I will say I did give some credence to the possibility (laughs) of the hockey gods giving us a moment of levity of a, of a Bertuzzi or a Domi goal or like, you know, heaven forbid, a Fraser Minton goal, and then things descending into chaos with the Montreal Canadiens winning, but I also think it's possible Cole Caulfield scores nine seconds into this game. I know no one wants to hear that, but it's yeah, rattling in my brain. He was off to a pretty good start last year before the injury, so we'll, we'll see. Yeah, Nick Robertson with good PR, maybe. Uh, <laughs> Probably a little better than that. Yeah, yeah, just a bit. I mean, he did score like 26 <laughs> goals in like, you know, less than 40 games last yeah, year. I don't know. If the, uh, uh, Here's my honest opinion on the matter. Uh, obviously, Cole Caulfield's a better player than Nick Robertson, but if Nick Robertson was on a bad team where he was just allowed to skate around mm. and shoot it, there'd be people saying, hmm, boy, that Nick Robertson, quite a player. But mm. that's not going to happen here because he is not going to have that freedom here. So No, he's not. He might have that freedom somewhere else uh, headed towards the trade deadline. But I, I Packaged with Fraser Minton, yeah. according to <laughs> Sam McKee. TM, he reported that in his dreams. <laughs> yeah, all right. Maybe that's a way to dream on the, this Leafs team and the one that they will ice tonight. I, I tend to take the opposite tact of thinking, hey, what if Fraser Minton's like, good. Like, how about that? That'd be a, a good problem to I, have. I would, what I would give to just have him cruise past the nine game mark without a question. God, God. You know, it's, it's, and a, it's, it's a lot more fun than, than yeah, the David camp centered third line or Pontus Holmberg centered third line. I and, tell you. And everybody is sitting here going, Oh, this is an all in year. It can't happen. Yada, yada. 
and I know it's an outlier. That's why these things don't happen that often. But Wyatt Johnson, now he's picked a little higher. He was a first-round pick, not an early second-round pick. But he played 82 games for a Stars team that had big-time expectations and big-time hope and was in that kind of Frazier-Minton slot that they've got him in. So I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's not out of the realm of possibility either. Well, we're hours away from seeing it happen. Uh, Yeah, we'll talk to Craig Simpson. Hockey Night in Canada next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Ben Annis, Brent Gunning. Beebs, I'd expect tonight mm-hmm. at Scotiabank Arena, Leafs and Montreal Canadiens. How about Drake? Is he, he just had residency there for like four nights, I think. Yeah. They, it, they, does that continue? They renamed it over. Uh, like it's October's very own arena. They like renamed it for four days. I remember yeah. seeing a press release about this. I, it's weird. I don't feel, not that we've never seen him at a mm-hmm. Leafs game. Obviously but, uh, much more present with the Raptors. Yeah, of course. Uh, but yeah, I think it'd be nice. Sure. Why not? You'd like to see him? Okay. Yeah. Seem very wishy-washy. On nah, it's just, I, I, I'm just so honestly, it's like, if I see Drake on camera more times, I see Frazier Minton, I'm going to die. So a piece of me doesn't want him in the yeah. building. <laughs> you know, it's so true. And because of the actual um, association with the Toronto Raptors, you do associate Drake yeah. with the Raptors. Obviously a Leaf fan though, right? Like For to sure. have Ty Domi come out with him on stage at one of his sold out shows at Scotiabank Arena. There's obviously an affinity to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I, I mm-hmm. thought it might be a home and home. It's like Ty Domi shows up at your home, which is the same building same home. And then you show up at Ty Domi's home because I can guarantee that Ty is going to be there tonight. Yes. And there's obviously a relationship between the two because Ty is like not afraid of being in those types of circles. Like Ty oh, has he's some Tom Brady. celebrity <laughs> friends. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it, so I, I wouldn't discount the possibility of Drake being in the building. Uh, sorry for you that that's going to be no, a, a storyline. Hey, like, hey man, I apologize. Like, I, uh, I don't drop this often. It's like Drake and I went to the same elementary school what? just a couple years ahead of me before he like moved to a different part of the city. So I have zero ill will towards drake love the guy it's mm-hmm. just i just i see what happens with monday night football and i can't yeah i can't and i know drake ain't taylor swift <laughs> not that far off so yeah. <laughs> well that's true all right uh leafs and montreal Canadiens. simmer uh, dying inside hearing this i'm sure <laughs> uh, he was just connected okay. so i don't think he heard our conversation thank goodness maybe i can ask him about it though craig Please simpson <laughs> hockey night in canada getting set for uh, leafs habs tonight from scotia bank arena how's it going craig uh, going well. How about you guys? Uh, we're, we're doing well because we can focus on the hockey, not the ancillary stuff. After tonight, there will be real Toronto Maple Leafs, honest-to-goodness uh, hockey to talk about. What's, what's your biggest question about this Leafs team that's slightly different than the ones we've seen in previous years? Well, if you're thinking question, I, I'm not sure it's really a, a situation that unsimilar than the last uh, two years is you know, as much as you look at the runway that's ahead and you go, okay, you got 82 games to navigate, uh, I still think much like the last two years, it, it's going to be all just the journey that you get there. How's it going to prepare you for when it matters the most? And, you know, as crazy as it seems when you haven't even played one game, uh, I do think that everybody's mind and notion flips to the playoffs where that's really where you're going to prove and see what kind of team you are. So um, it, it's, you go the last two years, 
you know, the Leafs have had their two best seasons uh, in franchise history. And so when you look here again, I was just reading the NHL.com, their contributors, 16 guys all putting in their picks, and the Leafs were picked first in the Atlantic by all 16. So when you start this game tonight and, and get the season going, you know, is the regular season, the, the results-driven regular season, going to be really the storyline, or is it got to be, you know, where are the little – uh, parts of your game that are better than last year, that are different than last year? Is your team going to be harder to play against than last year? And I think that's going to be the, the journey of the regular season is, is, you know, how can you develop that and grow so that when you get to the end of the season when it matters most, maybe this year's team will be the best prepared to, uh, uh, to be able to play and go along in the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's going to be funny, uh, the the winding road of the regular season. Because to your point, even us sitting here today, it, it is all about what happens once game 83 rolls around. And let's be honest, hopefully uh, there's plenty more playoff games beyond just the seven in the first round. I think there's going to be a little bit of a finding out what this version, to your point, looks like. And then it is going to be just how many of those boxes can they check b- before the deadline. Uh, you broke into the NHL at 18, obviously as a second overall pick, a little bit of a, a different circumstances. But Fraser Minton, the the surprise of Leaf Camp here. Uh, yeah. You can either go uh, you go two directions if you want on this, Craig. You could talk about your experience as an 18-year-old and and joining uh, joining the league uh, full of men, or you could talk about if you ever had an experience in camp with uh, with a young player, kind of surprising them what that does to a group. Well, I think every camp there's always somebody who maybe uh, raises an eyebrow or is a surprise. And, you know, often it's not necessarily a young guy. Uh, sometimes it can't. We always used to laugh, you know, uh, you, you get into the camp, and there's always a September sweetheart, right? Somebody who is <laughs> the, the coaches like or the media likes. And then in October, it seems like it's a optimistic October and often they're nowhere to be found in November. I mean, that, that happens in city after city, and that's kind of the story of what uh, uh, the joy and the anticipation of training camp is like. But Fraser's a different uh, case in this one. I, I think that, you know, he kind of he did it with his work. He did it with his preparation. They, they knew kind of what they had in the young player, but I, I think it's, a, it's another good – um, example of, you know, from a coach's perspective, you see a player in the second training camp and you go, oh, this is a different guy than I saw last year. This is a different guy that has grown and learned. And I think it's, you know, I don't think you get too ahead of yourself that think that he's going to be here necessarily all year. But I think what he's been able to establish and what he's been able to do for for Sheldon Keith is kind of scrap what I think what everybody thought, or at least I, I didn't think uh, William Nylander at center was going to be something that was was going to stick and going to be uh, a scenario that was probably going to make this team better. And so I think early on they all kind of felt, okay, well, well what's the alternative? There didn't seem to really be one. And for the short term anyway, he's plugged a hole and filled a gap that has allowed Sheldon to say, well, He's played to the level, he's played with maturity, he's played with composure, that I think at least we have to give him a little bit of a chance to see if he can play at that. And, you know, the I will tell you, when you're going back to my own experience, I didn't have a great first year, and you learn a lot along the way of what you needed to do better. You learned how to be better prepared, better shape, better every part of your game. 
but year two was completely different. And I think Minton has just shown that he learned a lot from his experiences last year, went back, had a good solid year, and was really well prepared and showing good maturity. So it'll be fun to watch, and it's another scenario that it's it's always kind of intriguing when a guy plugs a hole that I don't think a lot of people expected him to be able to do. And uh, the the one thing in the early returns anyways in preseason is that he's had good maturity to be able to, to handle himself. No, he wasn't expected to be here, obviously, even by the people within that organization. But to your point, the, the alternative to William Nylander as the third C, and I think people were rightly dubious of that potential as well, it's not obvious, right? Like, what if this this doesn't work out, Craig? Right? Like, it, it just doesn't feel like there's a ready-made solution there as far as depth of centermen on this Leafs team. No, I, I don't think. I, I think. Look at you. You look at William and where his game has gotten to. You got back-to-back career years for him. Uh, I, I think his game uh, and his ability to score, you know, his ability to create chances, and um, just the comfort that he's had playing in the role that he wa- has for the last couple of years, either playing with Tavares or getting, a, you know, a switch around at times with uh, with Austin Matthews. I just look at it and go. It just didn't look like a scenario that was going to be all that fruitful. But you look at your lineup sometimes, and I think a lot of it has to do too with you know salary cap wise. You're going to have a 20-man roster or 21. You don't have a lot of options to bring someone in. So I think that's why Minton for sure is getting a good solid look because I personally think that Nylander on the wing is is where he should probably be but let's face it it's a, again it's a long journey and you know that there'll be uh, times where he'll probably spend a little bit of time at the middle and and maybe out of necessity I don't even think you're in a scenario where you can bring up say Pontus Holmberg to to play the fourth line role and then get camp up into the third so that that's the reality of of having a 20 or a 21 man roster as well some of the decisions are kind of made for you, uh, but the, the the intrigue, anyways, for Fraser Minton is, uh, I think if you're a Leafs fan, you're probably going to want and hope that he can at least solidify that role so that you can keep Nylander and see if you can get a little chemistry. It seemed to, anyways, he and Domi seemed to, to have a pretty good uh, back and forth with the puck, and I think you have to have the speed on the side with John Tavares, and that second line suddenly looks like a line that, that might be really dangerous, and maybe a little harder to play against. Yeah, one of the one of the reasons in Fan Morning Show here, Brent Gunning, Ben Ennis, talking to Craig Simpson ahead of Leafs and Canadians tonight as uh, the Leafs open their season at home. You can check it out on Sportsnet. You know, one of the reasons they're in the roster position they're in is, I mean, you can point to any of the offseason signings, but I think a lot of people are pointing to Ryan Reeves and, and his addition here. Uh, you've been in rooms. You know what it means to have a guy like that. And I don't just mean the fighter. I mean the character as well. It has been a lot of talk about what he can bring to a team. What are your expectations for... For, for Reeves and the Leafs, and I know that goes to a bit of the toughness we talked about at the beginning of it, but he's yeah. a little bit of a different animal than Domi and Bertuzzi. <laughs> yeah, a little, yes, a little bit, and you know, I, I do think though that whether it's the grit or a different style of game for Domi and Bertuzzi is going to be important because it brings a different element to the to the top two lines, uh, and maybe something that they they have been trying and searching to find. Uh, but for Ryan, I, I always look at a player like that. And at least, you know, the age that he's at and the experiences he's had, sometimes you can get a little carried away in that role and maybe get 
try to do things that you, you wouldn't otherwise do, and, and maybe it could fall apart a little bit. But I think his maturity is saying, come in and play a role. Be a, be a guy in the room that maybe gives, gives others a little bit of a, an eye raise and say, oh, okay, we haven't really had that kind of personality in there. And he's got confidence. Uh, he, he, he's a good teammate. You know, he might drive you crazy as an opponent, but that's kind of what you want in a teammate. And sometimes you have to have a little bit of a different mix that's not the same as everybody else, that doesn't say the same things. But as long as you can integrate yourself in a new team, um, you know, I, I think that can be be welcomed. And uh, I think he's a smart enough guy and he's been around the league enough to know that, you know, don't get don't get over the top too often, but uh, it does bring another element that this team hasn't had. And I, I think, like anything, you've got to try some different mixes and got to try some different people in, in certain specific roles like that one on a fourth line to see if you can change the chemistry and mix of this team. Because clearly, as we've talked, you know, the, the, the time you need it, I, I wouldn't be surprised if in critical times come playoff time, Ryan Reeves might not even be in the lineup, but it, it's the contrib- uh, contributions at different times during the year at key times that you know might help you grow as a team to maybe be a little bit of a different look when you get to playoff time. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah the Reeves element of it all. It's interesting to see how how he'll kind of fit in, and then the the other aspect of it, just from a fighting standpoint, is you know not to say that he'd be afraid of it, but I don't know how many guys there are in the league that that want to take him on. It'll be interesting to see. You know, you mentioned the lineup decisions that that Keith will have to make there. It has been a talking point pretty much throughout his tenure here. Others are more critical of it than than I am. Is the tinkering nature now? Anytime you're involving the influx of new players that he's had, and obviously he's at a camp to work with them, I think there's yeah to be some level of tinkering but how important is it for a coach and I imagine it's different for different players different for different teams to find the right balance between some continuity and being able to carry over chemistry from game to game week to week versus trying to find the best version of your team if that means having to tinker a little bit to do it yeah well I think you look at all the you know top teams or the teams that have won uh, I just know even my own experience going to a really deep and solid team in Edmonton uh, way back is you know your top six should be ones that probably the only tinkering you have is is just to have a different fresh look at times where you might rotate as we saw numerous times like Marner Matthews we always know the good chemistry there but there are times where it's not necessarily a bad thing to switch down and put him with Tavares and just get a different look for your opponent, but also a little freshness. I, I think the guys at the top, your top players got to know that you, the coach trusts your unit and trusts you together. And when you need a big game, you, you know, you can feel that he has confidence in, in what your line can do. I do think though, the tinkering has been, you, know, you look at last year, you get to the trade deadline, you get a lot of new bodies and you don't know where they're going to fit. So I, I think it's a natural that you have to tinker a little there and see what you've got and see if you get anything that really suddenly sparks together. Um, but, you know, that bottom six we've been saying for how many years now? Well, when this core group has been together, that at times has been 
where they haven't been as good a team as the teams that have beaten them. Whether you go to Boston or to Tampa, you know, I guess it was probably a little bit of a shocker after finally getting through uh, Tampa to to have Florida sting you a little bit like that. But you know, you look at Florida too. It, it's that it's that continuity within the lineup and a couple of big goals from a third line or a fourth line or 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 a group that can change momentum. And I think that's where Keith is looking to say you know maybe this year's edition and i let's let's face it you're going to talk about this for how many days <laughs> this is day game one of 82 so I, I do think though that that's going to be a critical factor to say you know can do they have a team that is a different looking team and a team that might have a third line that is a good hard grind line and then a fourth that can change momentum of a game and if you look playoff wise during the last seven years you know that's been something that I would say the Leafs have been on on the losing end of uh, against their opponents. We'll see uh, the first sample we get to see of it in games that mean something tonight against the Montreal Canadiens at Scotiabank Arena. Craig, enjoy the game. Thanks for doing this. All right, thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. All right, you too. There's Craig Simpson, Hockey Night in Canada. CC oh, and Simmer, yeah. Yeah. Leafs and yeah. Canadians. Yeah, it's all coming together. But tonight, oh man, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I love getting Simmer on. He provides, he really does toe the line perfectly between giving you hockeyman insight and it just, I always feel like I'm getting smarter when I listen to him. Mm-hmm. He has a great little, uh, I was about to say gate, but that's uh, for walking. But yeah. the way he talks, I like it. I don't know. I just love getting Simmer on. Feel smarter after I listen to him. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. talk to him now. Yeah. I, I also feel smarter listening to smart people. <laughs> Um, it was a great question you asked about the tinkering with this team. Thank you. Because um, you're smart. you got to give yeah, yourself some credit. That's not, like, we shouldn't lie to people. You're not the smartest. No. And clearly Craig Simpson is smarter. Obviously. Yeah. We both have glasses. Yeah. Or no, he's yeah. my glasses guy. Yeah. I feel like he, no, he's no, not. Okay, no. never mind. You're okay, done. I'm okay, out, I'm stop. Out. <laughs> you're, you're no longer smart. The tinkering one is an interesting question. <laughs> and one that I think, at least early on in this season... I'm all for tinkering with a a new lineup. You got new toys. Mm -hmm. Who knows if Tyler Bertuzzi is going to work alongside Matthews and Marner. And Simmer's right to bring up the fact that, hey, yeah, Matthews and Marner, that's probably your best look. And ultimately, when all is said and done Mm -hmm. and we're in games that matter, and especially in the postseason, those guys are going to be back together. But it's not a big problem. And it will definitely happen this year if, like, they need some time apart from each other and you need a different look. But, yeah, there's going to be, I think, Brent, a lot of tinkering yes. early on here because we're we're talking about a lot of unknowns here, a lot of new pieces, almost an entirely new third line outside of Cali Yarncroft, but even like Matthew Nyes, like a very small yep. sample at the end of last regular season and into the postseason, Fraser Minton, total unknown, Max Domi, and then Tyler Bertuzzi, how those guys fit as as left wingers. I think there's going to be... A lot of tinkering here. There there has to be. And, you know, this is a guy who tinkers when things are kind of set and they kind of know what the team <laughs> right. looks like. And Just again, I don't, mess with stuff. I don't have a problem with that as much as other people do. I think you're going to have to see that. The other thing we've talked about is the idea of, well, if Nylander's not going to be a center, you do have the defined top six. It doesn't... Like, it doesn't have to be that way. If Fraser Minton sticks, you could, you could in theory, put William Nylander on his wing and mm-hmm. Callie Yarncroke up with John Tavares or Austin Matthews, you know, his favorite player or whatever. Yeah. Like, that's the other part of it is we look at it as, okay, it has to be Marner and Nylander with each one of those centers. And, 
I mean, it's probably going to go that way. But if Minton sticks, he's only sticking if it is a definitive that he can do this and he can play. So I'm not ruling out the possibility of them giving that a look at times and really trying to go more three deep with it mm-hmm. actually spread apart much more. I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see the route Keith takes with this. And then the other thing is balancing what we all expect to be the best line. Maybe Bertuzzi, Matthews, and Marner is clearly the Leafs' best option, but does that give them the best options in lines two through four? Probably not. Oh, interesting. We haven't talked much about the blue line, honestly. Like no. the John Klingberg I, I'm of it full all. ostrich in the sand with the blue line. I'm just praying it, it turns out way better than yeah. I expected. But it's and hoping that TJ Brody's postseason sample was just like <sighs> a weird being a, separated from That's... Morgan Riley. Like, we haven't brought that up, Brent. Like, I, that, that I brought it happened. Up the, I brought it up on the first day of camp and then stopped talking about about it because that's scary if that guy falls and off a cliff. Mark Giordano is still a part of the top six defenseman and he's just turned 40, 40. and very much looked 40 I in actually, the postseason I as thought, well. I thought him playing three on three in, over, in preseason might have taken him off the, the team just <laughs> yeah. or the earth, quite frankly. But yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how much legs yeah. he has as the season goes on. Well, and Jake McCabe is a nice Fine. little addition. No, no, but Jake McCabe, who costs $2 million. That's his full name. Because Jake McCabe, who costs four. Sure. We're having a really different conversation. Well, about. and but that was the pairing that didn't work. Him yes. and Brody. Oh, right? I know. Right? Yep. So You yeah. hope Lilligren can make a jump. That's the key. That is it. The way the Leafs' blue line gets better, Lilligren makes a leap. We've all been waiting. Well, the way it gets better is you make a bunch of trades well, the deadline. I mean, yeah, that too. <laughs> all right. We'll see how it looks tonight against the Montreal Canadiens. Tomorrow, we'll have Leafs hockey to dissect on this radio program. Uh, enjoy the game, everybody. This is the Fan Morning Show. Bad and it's Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan.